This episode is supported by Army Reserve Officers Training Corps, the college elective for undergraduate and graduate students that provides leadership training for success in any career field. If you have a passion for it, you can find a place to fit in the Army as an officer and get the training you need to turn that passion into a career. It offers merit-based scholarships that can pay up to the full cost of tuition and open educational opportunities. Whether you are in high school, college, or already in the Army, are you ready to become a leader? Enroll now! To receive more information about the Army ROTC program, visit goarmy.com podcast. It is undeniable that deep learning models have shown very promising results in computer vision and uh, sound recognition, and uh, in many domains like uh, healthcare, medicine, finance, uh, social media, entertainment. We've seen a lot of games being played by um, so-called artificial intelligence um, or, well, reinforcement learning algorithms uh, that can play the Go game or Dota 2 game, uh, many Atari games, uh, sometimes better than human, actually many times better than, than humans. And uh, this is happening in uh, several domains, also especially in healthcare and medicine, um, and uh, in which we see more and more these deep learning based systems that get integrated in these domains and uh, they actually start affecting uh, the life of people. Uh, so we can think of uh, deep learning computer vision systems that are deployed on uh, autonomous vehicles that provide uh, the functionality behind medical imaging or banking applications. Uh, then there are surveillance cameras, drones, digital assistants, etc. Now, it comes without saying that a malfunction in any of these applications will definitely affect the quality of such integrated systems and compromise the security of the individuals who directly or indirectly use them. Unfortunately, researchers are um, not paying the same attention to the ways deep learning models can be attacked and exploited. And this comes from the fact that uh, it's much easier to measure the accuracy of a machine learning model uh, other than measuring how robust that model is to uh, possible attacks and exploitations. And why is this happening? It's because um, it's uh, easy it is easy to measure um, uh, the accuracy of a machine learning model against an, a well-known database uh, in which you know how things should go, you know how predictions uh, should uh, should be, uh, and uh, it's much less known uh, how specific uh, samples, uh, observations can actually fool the machine learning model. And this is exactly the uh, topic of this uh, episode, um, it's about attacks to machine learning models. This is Data Science at Home, the podcast that makes machine learning and artificial intelligence easy for everyone. Here's your host, Francesco Garaletta. One use case uh, that will likely attract the interest of uh, malicious actors uh, occurs with precision medicine and healthcare. If we think that intelligent systems uh, provide the supervision required by uh, medical institutions, hospitals, but also insurers, uh, it would be wise to expect that someone will eventually take advantage of uh, their potential vulnerabilities whenever these vulnerabilities are found. 
This happened already in history many, many times, in, uh, especially in computer science, uh, from financial systems to any type of security systems that uh, is related to computer science. Um, every time a vulnerability is discovered, uh, of course, it can be exploited for the benefit of the attacker. And we, start, we should start thinking about this also with AI. Uh, because uh, there is uh, there are a lot of vulnerabilities in machine learning models very few people are talking about and uh, they are relatively easy to deploy now as a matter of fact the uh, ai systems of today uh, suffer from a number of unresolved vulnerabilities some of which we will be discussing today in this episode we'll also provide some ways to um, defend from these type of attacks in history there have been a number of medical frauds uh, that have damaged institutions, governments of many, many countries for millions and millions of dollars. Uh, this pretty much generalizes in different countries, different currencies. Uh, every country, any country can say today that there has been some kind of, uh, uh, you know, medical fraud or, uh, or financial fraud in a, in a system. And these things can happen even more when these systems are uh, automated because there will be less and less human intervention uh, to check uh, these kind of outliers and you know we will uh, give more let's say power or responsibility to the machines or to the algorithms to decide when a specific event is fraudulent or not for uh, for instance medical services to increase their revenues, uh, but also physicians who fake a diagnosis to bill for the highest treatment. Uh, there are multiple levels to committing fraud, with, especially with medicine and healthcare. Uh, insurance companies will also be affected by the new wave or this new wave of automatic medicine, uh, so-called precision medicine. Insurers will soon consult an intelligent diagnostic tool that is that can be a machine learning classifier to confirm that a certain individual or certain patients has been indeed diagnosed with uh, a certain disease and therefore proceed to reimbursement now this is happening partially uh, in some you know advanced countries uh, but it is it will happen more and more it will be um, you know more the rule than the exceptions so it is undeniable that in the very, very near future, we will see more and more intelligent diagnostic tools in place. So together with algorithms that predict and confirm diagnosis for patients on a massive scale, such machine learning models will in fact control and shape a new way to conduct clinical practice because medical doctors will be eventually supported by um, automatic or smart or intelligent algorithms. So knowing that a malicious patient could forge, for instance, medical images that generate a diagnosis for a certain disease that she never was affected is already doable with off-the-shelf deep learning classif uh, classifiers. And this, uh, you know, I don't want to uh, raise an alarm here, but I will show in this episode how easy uh, it is to attack deep learning models. So probably the most effective attacks to deep learning models are so-called poisoning attacks and uh, adversarial sample attacks. These are two types of attacks that uh, are uh, uh, enumerated in uh, order of uh, difficulty. 
So despite the technical strategy to perform each of these attacks, the ultimate goal of an attacker is to force or to fool the machine learning model to believe that an input, for instance, a medical image, has a label that is basically wrong. And so there is this um, uh, nice uh, uh, picture that I posted uh, recently on, um, on, a, on an article I, I wrote on, uh, on datascienceathome.com, in which we have the picture of a cat plus some noise um, that, you know, makes uh, the picture, uh, you know, that changes the picture in a way that is not perceivable to the human eye. And, uh, and uh, that fools the classification uh, machine learning model uh, to believe that it's a dog. And so how a cat plus noise becomes a dog is something uh, extremely, I think, uh, extremely effective to, you know, generalize this to something like uh, having a, the image of, uh, of, uh, of a, you know, part of the skin of a person plus some noise that will eventually make it a skin cancer, for instance. This is the type of attacks that um, we will be discussing. Uh, and there are, uh, as I said, many uh, ways to achieve exactly uh, the same result. So the first type of attack is called data poisoning attacks. And these are simply performed by tampering with the model training process and injecting data that cause a deep learning model, but also a, a trivial linear regression or any other machine learning model to make mistakes. So as a matter of fact, the end user of any machine learning model who only has access to the model parameters should fully trust that the model was trained in a tamper-free fashion using only genuine datasets. So this promise is, of course, hard to keep in the majority of the models, of the machine learning models that are, for instance, privately trained and freely used by people and applications. Think about a, a pharmaceutical company or a, a medical institution uh, in which these, you know, the training data sets are definitely protected, are private, they cannot be disclosed because there are a lot of uh, sensitive information in there or can be just, uh, uh, you know, very expensive uh, to, to collect and therefore there is difficulty to, um, it, it's quite hard to believe that they're going to be shared anytime soon, uh, to be very realistic here. And so if someone trains a machine learning model on top of this data, well, the only thing that a machine, you know, the user of that model can do is trusting that uh, the model was trained on on the genuine datasets, uh, which might not be the case many times. So, for such attack to succeed, however, I want to be to be quite fair. It is required to have access to the training process. So, data poisoning attacks are relatively more limited with respect to the next type of attacks that I'm going to introduce. Um, so they have this kind of limitation that is the attacker has to have access to the training process. So if we, in a way, jail the training process or protect the training process, we should be safe as long as, of course, we trust that the model or whoever is training the model is genuinely training them on clean data. The second uh, type of attack is called adversarial sample attacks and this is uh, you know that's this represents the second class of attacks that we uh, that we just mentioned and this is the most subtle one <laughs> because for these types of attacks uh, an attacker is not required to have any access to the training process and not even through the training data so they can actually uh, forge 
uh, new samples. So the attacker has more flexibility in a way. Adversarial sample attacks um, is a type of attack that consists in forging samples, in creating samples such that it becomes harder for the machine learning model to assign a label uh, to that sample with high confidence. Uh, for many adversarial samples, it is very likely that the model misclassifies them. So in machine learning model, this is usually linked to the uh, so-called uh, decision boundary problem. Um, a trivial example that I also uh, visualized in the, in a, in the article uh, published on datasciencehome.com consists of a, of a model that can distinguish observations of two different classes. So it's a, a binary model um, in which we have to distinguish, for instance, uh, red balls from, from blue balls. Okay, so it could be like positive from negative or uh, cancer versus non-cancer. Uh, now, predicting observations that cannot be easily separated is way more challenging and usually requires more complex and so-called non-linear models with a higher number of parameters in machine learning. So uh, there is a very easy to understand scenario uh, in which I show three different types of decision boundaries, uh, decision boundary problems. One is, of course, the linearly separable data sets in which you just need a straight line to separate the two groups. So with a linear machine learning model, for instance, a, a linear regression, you can easily uh, distinguish A from B, zero from one, blue from red. The second type of decision boundary is the nonlinearly separable data set in which a straight line is not uh, sufficient and therefore you need something a bit more complex, for instance, a curve. And the third is uh, the non-separable data sets in which usually in two dimensions at least uh, you cannot do that. So you cannot separate um, samples uh, in, in n dimensions, but you usually uh, find a, a stratagem to project these points into a higher dimensional space uh, and therefore use, for instance, an hyperplane to separate the two, three, four, five groups that you are or the two classes that you are dealing with. This is pretty much what, for instance, support vector machines do. They project into a higher dimensional space. Uh, and so they basically uh, make sure that the, for instance, three-dimensional problem becomes a five-dimensional problem because in five dimension, it is easier to uh, separate, um, sometimes even linearly separate uh, the two or three uh, classes. Whenever there is kind of an ambiguity in assigning a label red or blue to a data point, there are more chances for attackers to, let's say, fool the model. And this uncertainty in the classification occurs on the boundary between the two or more classes. So it's in that spot that indeed the attacker has some kind of space to fool the model, to trick the model. So if we you know, want to relate all this to a medical imaging classifier, uh, if a medical imaging classifier cannot distinguish a mole from skin cancer with high confidence, this means that a tiny perturbation of the input image might force the model to believe that it is a cancer when it is indeed just a mole. And so this is exactly how adversarial sample attacks work, because by slightly perturbing the input, the prediction is likely wrong. And so this perturbation, of course, is not completely random. It has to be 
you know, <laughs> smartly performed um, because the input should be perturbed in a way that it is, first of all, not perceivable to a human eye. Of course, if I change a medical image uh, so you know too much, I increase the chance for a medical doctor or maybe a human being to you know see that there is a perturbation there. Um, the same applies to audio inputs, uh, which will be perturbed in a way that it's not perceived by a, a human ear, for instance. Medical lab tests uh, is you know behave exactly the same way. These are uh, numeric data. Uh, aren't, aren't any different. So, you know, we make the example of uh, medical images just to make this example uh, easy to understand. But as you as you know, this can be generalized pretty much in you know to any uh, any type of data. So, generally speaking, a classifier that can deal with non-linearly separable datasets with high accuracy and confidence is usually more robust to adversarial attacks. Now, there are systematic ways to perturb the input data, as I said, and uh, uh, force even robust motors to fail with high confidence. Uh, one such method goes under the name of uh, Fast Gradient Sign Method, or FGSM, and this computes an adversarial example uh, by using the original uh, input. So let's think about uh, a medical image. So the initial, uh, med the original medical image, plus uh, an epsilon, which is the amount of the perturbation, that multiplies um, the sign of uh, uh, the gradient with respect to the input uh, times the loss function. The loss function is, uh, uh, you know, what we find in uh, in uh, during model training, what is actually minimized during model training. So let's let's start from uh, you know, in, uh, let's give a very simple explanation of the of the FGSM uh, approach. It's a method that perturbs an image, uh, an input in general, uh, using the gradient of the image itself. Okay, and so basically this leverages the uh, the training mechanism of uh, in machine learning, in deep learning especially, which is, for instance, stochastic gradient descent. So to understand how this method works, the, the first thing that we have to do is understanding how training works. And um, I've been writing uh, a number of posts about uh, uh, you know, the problem of uh, training machine learning models, which is an optimization problem. If you go to datascienceatom.com, you will find a few posts about the optimization problem, also the different algorithms to optimize, uh, um, uh, to, sorry, to minimize a function. And so basically training is minimizing a certain function. What is the function? Is the loss function. And what is the loss function? The loss function is the function that kind of represents the difference between the predicted label uh, and the true label. Okay, and so if this difference is zero, it means that the model is extremely accurate. If this difference is relatively high, it means that what the model is predicting is quite wrong with respect to what it should be, you know, what is the true label, right? And so in a, an optimization uh, problem, and therefore in machine learning uh, training procedure, uh, what a machine learning model does is simply, and I say simply, but it's not really that simple, is to minimize this function. And so uh, to find the best possible model parameters that minimize the loss function. Okay, so this is what 
standard classification algorithm work. This is what uh, how stochastic gradient descent work. This is how deep neural networks work. It's basically an optimization problem. Now. You might be using your TensorFlow, your Keras, your PyTorch, whatever library out there. What all these libraries do is stochastic gradient descent. So if you, if you really want to squeeze to the bones uh, the entire literature of machine learning, uh, of training machine learning models, just read the stochastic gradient descent approach, a method, study it well, and you will find it over and over again in many uh, of the libraries that you might be using um, out there. One strategy to train neural networks that are robust to adversarial sample attacks is, of course, to include such samples during model training. Now, if you use naive solutions, it turns out that models simply overfit to such samples and do not generalize. More advanced training procedures that are based on so-called projected gradient descent or PGD optimization seem to mitigate overfitting and build more robust models. So there are ways to kind of, you know, defense against um, these types of attacks. Now, security of deep learning models is definitely a new field and uh, an open problem that will keep researchers quite busy for a while. Um, at date, there is no real solution available, even though I've been uh, reading very, diff uh, very recently about um, uh, the work of... Uh, Gokula Krishnam that goes under the title of Defending Against Adversarial Attacks by Leveraging an Entire GAN or Generative Adversarial Network. I'm not giving too much details on this paper. It's quite interesting though. They empirically show that adversarial samples lie outside of the data manifold learned by a um, generative adversarial network and so they use the distribution of the data as a, a proxy to um, distinguish uh, adversarial samples from non-adversarial samples. So, you know, there is a bit, you know, there is kind of an active community working around the problem of, uh, of um, uh, adversarial samples. But at date, there is no uh, bulletproof solution available in the short term. And uh, in my opinion, it doesn't seem to be one in the long term either. Uh, many of the mitigations that have been proposed indeed are quite specific to the model architecture, except probably for the last uh, paper that I just mentioned. In addition to that, uh, many of these solutions rely on, uh, uh, on the gradient problem. And so as much as the gradient um, uh, is pretty much involved in how to generate these adversarial samples. So if there is a machine learning model tomorrow that does not rely on a gradient descent or gradient, the concept of gradient in general, you know, we might be surprised uh, by other ways to attack uh, uh, machine learning models. So, of course, a straightforward mitigation against attackers who tamper with the input data, in my opinion, consists in providing predictions uh, only for authenticated and certified data. Okay, so, for example, an attacker that manipulated um, a medical image of a mole uh, to fool the model to predict skin cancer uh, would be stopped if the model accepted only certified data. And so, for instance, provide a, a MAC tag uh, created by an authenticated institution or by an authenticated medical device that, you know, allows a machine learning model to perform a prediction only after the MAC attached this tag 
cryptographic tag attached to the image um, as being verified. And so that, it, you know, you have a cryptographic proof that uh, the image that, that you are, that you want to perform the prediction on has not been tampered, has not been manipulated. Now, while one can prevent attackers from tampering with the input samples, there is no clear way to prevent one from tampering with the entire model training process. And this is an attack that whoever is training the machine learning model can perform at training time. So we mentioned that this type of attack as a data poisoning attack, uh, such a limitation is even more prominent with machine learning performed on private data, where there is absolutely no control over the amount and the quality of the data that has been used during the training procedure. Now, of course, a viable mitigation against data poisoning attacks uh, takes into consideration the data that is used to train the model. And so here is a technique that we have been developing, uh, for instance, at FitChain, which consists in storing the traces of the training model to a public immutable ledger, for instance, the blockchain. At the moment, we use uh, the Ethereum blockchain. Uh, and this not only provides a certificate that the model has been truly trained because, you know, it provides a kind of logs about how good or bad the model is training, so that the data scientist can inspect in real time how, uh, how the, the training procedure is going. But it also provides a cryptographic proof of the data set that is being used to train that model. And now such a proof is easy to verify without revealing the raw content of the data. So at FitChain, we implemented a technology that provides machine learning model certification uh, since the training phase. So the cryptographic hashes of the training dataset is just one such certification because a more sophisticated and effective method to provide better model certificates relies on curated datasets. So training datasets that have been curated by domain experts with high reputation can provide more reliable model certificates. And this in turn allows data scientists to build models that are more robust to attacks because you know, you have the guarantee that in these training data sets, there is no poisoning. Now, there are some uh, developing this kind of uh, um, curated data marketplace, and uh, we are uh, very glad to announce that uh, uh, we are connecting our platform FitChain uh, to uh, Ocean Protocol, um, which is a curated data marketplace platform. And we believe that this is not just a way, but the right way towards certified and secure machine learning. That's it for today. I hope you enjoyed the show. Till next week. This episode is supported by CryptPad, the secure collaboration platform to edit your documents with colleagues and friends without compromising your privacy. No document can be read by the cloud or the NSA, not even CryptPad themselves. You can try it for free. For more, visit cryptpad.fr. C-R-Y-P-T-P-A-D dot F-R. Imagine an organization that wants to unlock the value of their data, but their data is too sensitive. Imagine a data scientist who wants to work on very rare data, but she cannot access them. With FitChain, organizations and individuals can unlock the value of their data instantly, connecting them to data scientists who have an incentive to work on a solution. 
No confidential information will ever leave the organization, which, thanks to FitChain, can keep their industrial secrets while enjoying the endless benefits of machine learning. But wait, there's more. Data owners can monetize their data. Data scientists can monetize their models. With a team of experts in AI and blockchain technology, FitChain allows highly regulated environments from domains like healthcare, research and development, and banking to take advantage of machine learning without compromising the thing we value most, confidentiality. Visit FitChain.io and unlock the value of your data. This was Data Science at Home, the podcast that makes machine learning and artificial intelligence easy for everyone. If you like the show, don't forget to write a review on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or Podbean. You can also find us on datascienceathome.com, where you can subscribe to our newsletter and get the latest updates. Thanks for listening. Hey, are you still there? Well, let me tell you about the newsletter of Data Science at Home. It's my free digest of the best content in artificial intelligence, data science, predictive analytics, and computer science. Subscribe now, datascienceathome.com.